everybody, you're listening to episode 77 of the Root Horror Podcast. I'm your host, Marcus Root, and today I have filmmaker, musician, and podcaster, Jay Crimson. He comes on the podcast today to talk about his films, Green Hell, a Jay Crimson film, and his short film, The Witch, a Jay Crimson film. So, uh, it's a great show today, and, uh, He's also the front man of the band No Class Assassins, and he runs a podcast called The Crimson Cult Podcast. So uh, this is a fun episode and uh, a fun conversation I had with him. And, you know, we also talk about the horror genre. So uh, stick around and listen to the episode. Before we get into my conversation with Jay, I want to mention this weekend... Days of the Dead Chicago is happening November 19th through the 21st, and the list is stacked. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to go through everybody, but I mean, just to name a few, Alice Cooper, Christy Swanson, Priscilla Presley, Billy Zane, Kathleen Turner, Bill Mosley, Alex Vincent, Dee Wallace, Adam Schur, a.k.a. Braun Strowman, David Howard Thornton, Greg Nicotero, and many more. So this is a, a not-to-miss event if you're in the Chicago area. Uh, Days of Dead never disappoints. It's an amazing convention, especially for the Midwest. So if you're in the area and you're looking for something to do this weekend, go check out Days of the Dead Chicago. Otherwise, make sure that you're subscribed to the Root Horror Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And keep up to date with the latest episodes, including this one. And after the show, I will announce uh, the next couple guests that I have for the show. So stick around and uh, enjoy my conversation here with Jay Crimson. Hello, I'm here with filmmaker Jay Crimson, who made his films The Witch and Green Hell that are now streaming on Troma Now app. He's a vocalist in the band No Class Assassins and the host of the Crimson Cult podcast. Welcome to the show, Jay. Hey, how are you, man? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. How are you doing? Pretty good. <laughs> awesome. I'm definitely not used to getting up so early, but I, I got to start doing that. <laughs> I've never been a morning guy. Right. Yeah, I... Uh, you know, I, I recently started doing some of these in the morning just because sometimes my uh, daughter gets a little rambunctious during the daytime. And so morning times when she's still sleeping, it's just easier to uh, to make these happen, I guess. So right. I'm always trying to reinvent myself and how I can make these things possible. And uh, so I, you know, I... I thank you for uh, wanting to uh, come on the show in the morning time. That's uh, that's awesome of you to <laughs> agree yeah, to. Yeah, thanks for having me on. <clears throat> yeah, no problem, man. Um, you know, so be- before we get into uh, some of the films that you've worked on, uh, when did you get into the horror genre, and what got you into the horror genre? Ooh, um, I'm gonna say it was Halloween '78. Um, that movie, uh, when I first seen it, I was terrified 
with the shadow work. And uh, when you've seen Michael walking from, uh, you know, one house to the other and the scene where he carries Annie, um, it just freaked me out. And uh, I'm going to say that because I started seeing Michael's shadow everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, oh, man, I'm going to say I was about either eight or nine. So um, probably around 1990 is when I seen him. And, uh, yeah, after that, I didn't know what to do with myself. It, years and years <laughs> went on, and... <laughs> <laughs> I started filming little video clips, and that's what got me into that. <clears throat> nice, nice. I wanted to recreate that somehow. Very cool, man. So, uh, um, you know, speaking of your films, like uh, The Witch, which was kind of like a short uh, horror film, was was that your first film, or was there uh, some other work that you've done that, uh, you know, maybe hasn't been, uh, you know, pushed on YouTube or anything? Um, well, I started filming, uh, Green Hell, a Jay Crimson film when, uh, I, let's see, it was, it was in the party. We were hardcore into the party scene. So there was a lot of, a lot of drinking, a lot of smoking going on. Mm -hmm. Um, I, uh, we, I got a group of friends together and we started filming that, um, that was actually on the shelf for a few years and I'm pretty sure I filmed the witch with my ex-girlfriend Deanna before I finished green hell, but green hell was filmed first. Oh wow. Okay. And it was filmed on one of those sh shitty Sony cam things where you, the whole, what you're filming is right in your face and mm-hmm. That was the good part, but the bad part is you could hear the camera hum throughout the entire movie. You can hear this, boom, 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 boom. and uh, <laughs> looking back on it, it's pretty cool because I lo I'm a fan of '80s, and because I'm an '80s baby, of course, and uh, I uh, I always liked the the VHS lines and the glitches and stuff like that. So I incorporate those in my movies. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I. I was a 90s kid, but, you know, I was still in with the VHS uh, uh, before DVDs hit. So I, I could definitely uh, understand, you know, just the aesthetics of VHS and how, you know, nostalgic it can be. Yeah. And, you know, like kids these days, they probably don't even know what a VHS tape is unless right. someone who knows about them kind of like gives them a rundown of them and, and whatnot. It's like, yeah, you know, these used to uh, be what we watched instead of DVD or streaming. I guess streaming is now the big thing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I remember, uh, sorry, I remember taking a tape that had Who Framed Roger Rabbit on it, and I, I took it out because uh, the tape was starting to shoot out of the VCR and I'm like, no, my copy of framed Roger rabbit <laughs> framed Roger rabbit. So I, uh, I snipped it and pulled it and taped it back and put it in the VCR. And only that part on the, only that scene had a glitch from where I cut it and it, the tape worked fine, which is kind of funny. You can't do that with anything now. 
Right, right. Yeah, it's it's uh it's kind of funny that you can kind of like doctor up VHS tapes and you know, you can't really do anything with like a DVD or Blu-ray. But right. uh, you know, like say like, you know, tapes get moldy after a while if they're not kept in uh, you know, uh, uh, uh the right temperatured rooms and uh you know, you, you can take them apart, clean them up and then, you know, then they're good to go. Um, you know, times have definitely changed since then, but, uh, it's interesting just, you know, there's a lot more work that, uh, goes into, uh, a VHS tape, which is kind of, uh, awesome in a way that's just kind of like an ancient relic. Uh, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, I, and I've also heard horror stories with tapes, which, I mean, I've never really had any horror stories with them, but I've heard that, um, you know, someone was playing a tape and all of a sudden, like, it just completely just, like, shredded or, like, almost, like, exploded in a way, just, like, disintegrated. And I'm like, you know, and I seen a picture of it and I was just like, oh my gosh, like, how the hell? Like, I've never came across anything like that. Have you came across anything like that? No, that sounds crazy. <laughs> right? Yeah, like he, he had taken apart like the top of his uh, VCR just, you know, to show that he's like, I don't know what the fuck happened, but uh, <laughs> my tape just disintegrated in my player. And <laughs> I was like, what? That's, that's insane. Uh, but, you know, I've never came anything or came across anything like that before. I mean, you know, I've... No. I've had like a tape splice or whatever, you know, to where I'd have to, you know, kind of like what you had to do, uh, uh, tape, tape the, uh, uh, film back together. And then, you know, it would just kind of be a blank spot by that particular, uh, spot where it got spliced. But yeah, nothing like I've never had a tape just disintegrate before. And, uh, (laughs) yeah, it's about one of the wildest stories I've heard. But, you know, anyways, uh, maybe to, like, the streaming stuff, you know, uh, your films are now on the Troma Now app. Um, can, you know, what was it like talking to Troma about getting your films on their streaming service? Hmm. Well, uh, my Crimson Cult podcast that I do, I was able to get Lloyd Kaufman on the show and, uh, um, he is the owner of Troma Entertainment, and uh, me and him were talking about his background, his history, stuff like that, and uh, uh, stuff that he's worked on before. And uh, I didn't know that uh, the first Rocky movie was done with Troma equipment in certain scenes, and that's crazy to me. Oh, wow. Um, I didn't know that either. Yeah. <laughs> um, but... Um, he, he took a liking to me. We, we started talking uh, after the podcast and, uh, he mentioned wanting to see the films on the podcast and I was like, okay. And he really hit me up and said, where are your links to your films at? And, uh, I sent them to him and, um, I think his assistant, John got a hold of me and, uh, sent me some emails and, we talked back and forth. He said, these movies would be perfect for trauma. And uh, if you want to sign a licensing agreement, you'll get a 50-50 cut of every stream. 
And uh, I couldn't resist that because they're just sitting on YouTube for years and years. And he's like, okay. And that's what we did. And um, my third one, Crickets in the Snow, is going to be going up on there too. And that's uh, another short film I've done. So I'm going to have three of those on Troma now and two music videos from No Class Assassins will be up there too. Nice, man. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, so uh, your films are on your YouTube channel. Are you ever going to take those down That now that they're on the Troma app, or are you just going to keep those up? I'm going to keep them up because they're, it's a, for Troma, it's non-exclusive. So I could just put them anywhere. And uh, anything that's up on the Troma Now app um, that Lloyd and the boys throw up, uh, they're all, they're able to be uh, uploaded anywhere else too. Oh, okay. <clears throat> okay yeah, that's yeah, why sometimes yeah. he sometimes Lloyd will make a deal with other companies to get certain movies that are already on uh, something else put on Trauma Now since it is non exclusive. Right, kind of works that way. Well, that's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. That you you yeah. know, you're not really tied to anything per se you know you can pretty much do what you want with your films yeah um you know so uh the crimson cold podcast uh you know you're talking about how you had lloyd on there um do you want to talk about your podcast and you know what what's your podcast about and maybe who who else you've had on the show sure um when i first started the podcast i was envisioning just recording me and the guys like me and uh chris stotler my bass player and best friend and my other guitar player bruce keith um which is his stepdad we all live in the same house now so it's kind of cool when we're very opinionated people and uh i was thinking i wish more people could hear this conversation so I came up with the idea of setting my phone up just in the middle of us while we have our, you know, ritual smoke sessions and, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> and uh, just talk about anything. So the first two episodes were more like that. We talked about um, witchcraft and marijuana, of course, and uh, uh, different kinds of movies and religion and stuff like that. And I... I liked it. People liked it. But then I started to think, well, I wonder if I could get some guests on there. And now I'm about 31 episodes in. I'm looking to do more. Um, I've had Ari Lehman on my show, who was the very first Jason Voorhees coming out of the lake. Um, nice. I had, let's see. Kirk Weinstein from a band called Crowbar. Okay. Um, let's see. I've had Brad Lurie, who played Michael Myers in Halloween 8. Hmm. Um, let's see. Necro Butchers or a hardcore wrestler. He was in the movie The Wrestler with Mickey Rourke as well. Oh, right on. Um, yeah, and... Uh, it's been crazy. I've been like, okay, so some people want to be on the show 
because it's just audio and some people would prefer it just be audio and not video. So probably because they don't have to look pretty. And uh, <laughs> I feel like I get more people interested that way to keep it old school audio, kind of like what you're doing. And mm -hmm. I, I like that. I think it's r more raw and real. Well, what I like about just doing like audio podcasts is people can kind of just take it anywhere and, and listen. Yeah. Or, you know, like if you're at work, you know, like some people have jobs where it's, you know, they can throw earbuds in or whatever and, and just do their work. Um, and that's almost kind of like how I started. I have a job where I can throw in earbuds and just, you know, do my work. And, uh, I listen to podcasts in my free time because sometimes listening to music, it's like, you know, I need something different besides, mm -hmm. you know, maybe this handful of bands or, you know, maybe there's a day I don't want to listen to music. And, uh, you know, so podcasts, I turn to podcasting, listening to them you know, more or less like horror podcasts, like what I'm doing. And, uh, you know, I was like, you know what? I, I should do my own podcast. Cause I feel like I can relate to the people that are talking about horror films. And I wish I could maybe put my two cents in, uh, into talking about horror films. So, you know, I was like, I'm just going to start up my own. And, um, I, I kind of started off just talking about films rather than having guests on mm -hmm. and just, you know, I would maybe pick, pick a particular film and just talk about it. And then, you know, several episodes down the line, I just decided to message someone I know that had worked within films. So I'm like, Hey, you know, would you like to be a guest? And they said, yes. And, uh, you know, ever since then, you know, I've just been having guests on left and right, which is not a bad thing. I, you know, I find it a little bit more interesting than just me talking about a particular horror film. So, right, uh, yeah, it's it's been pretty fun for me, anyways. Yeah, my my podcast. Uh, when it comes to a particular theme or anything like that, I would say it's it's based on things that I enjoy. But at the same time, it's uh, I go for I like controversy. I like uh, I like that kind of thing. I like uh, anything extreme. Um, I had um, an archbishop who has performed exorcisms. I've had him on the show. Um, I've had um, Patty Negri. I don't know if you know who that is. She's a psychic medium and she was on ghost adventures on the travel channel. Oh and stuff yes. like that. Yeah. I've had her on there and, uh, I've had Char Mayer on my show and she was a professional haunter in haunted attractions for, I'm going to say about 40 years she's been doing it for. And she was on a documentary called, um, haunters, the art of the scare um, and it was all about like the more extreme haunts that people can go to like blackout. And there's a few other ones where people actually, uh, do waterboarding on people and stuff mm. like that. And, uh, yeah, more extreme. extreme, yeah, more extreme, like, you know, some stuff that can be viewed as torture. And, uh, that was, 
you know, got to sign all these forms and shit before you go in. <laughs> right. But, yeah. But that's what that documentary is about. And I was like, I got to get someone from this on there. And I, I had my eyes set on Char and I was just stoked that she was willing to do it. And she's been awesome. She's been sharing my podcast links and all that. And that's, that's awesome. Very cool, man. I'm trying to think of the guy's name. There, there's a guy that kind of does the extreme haunting in, uh, I think he's been in some documentaries of like, you know, like the extreme hauntings, uh, like haunted attractions, but I think what is his, his name? Russ. I think so. Was he the guy that would pay $20,000 if they could make it through? Uh, I'm not sure about that part, but there was a guy named Russ McCamey and he did McCamey Manor and I'm not sure where that took place, but, uh, he would uh, have you wait somewhere and get blindfolded and taken away, like with a bag over your head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that led... is the guy. Yeah, yeah and he was led to the, led to the place. The guy that runs that haunted house, did you hear what yeah. happened with him? Uh, what happened to him? He was given like a 20000 reward. He found it... out, people found out that he didn't even have the money. There was an army guy who went through the haunted house, uh-huh. and he almost made it to the very end. And the guy who runs it, like, did something to where the guy couldn't finish. Wow. So you're saying that he never had the $20,000? Yeah, people are, people are, a whole bunch of people are saying that he's never had the money. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Just kind of That's definitely believable. That <laughs> Did you hear my, what my wife was saying? Yep. Okay. I, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll have to hear this later. I don't know if I'll make that or keep that in the podcast, but... <laughs> Yeah, I we'll just see. thought it was kind of funny to say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're we're talking about him, so yeah, that, yeah. That just give in. her a volume boost. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, yeah. That that was pretty insane. To uh, I, I think I don't know what documentary it was, but there was like there there was like an extreme haunting documentary on either Tubi or Netflix. I can't remember which one it was. But, yeah, this one that yeah. I'm talking about, um, it's called Haunters, The Art of the Scare, and that one is on Tubi. Uh, that's where i seen it. Okay. Yeah, maybe that that might be the one that we saw, too. And it showed, like, a, a wife that wasn't very into the haunting stuff, and she's with a guy who's all about it. And <laughs> every Halloween, he spends X amount of money and stuff, and she's like, oh, I can't wait for this shit to be over with. <laughs> and the whole time, you're just like, does she know she's just putting a, you know, a mental target on her forehead for people watching this? Right. Yeah, I, you know, I, I love Halloween time, so I... Me too. I, uh... Sad to see it go. I, I know. And what's sad is, um, like, literally the day after Halloween, everyone is all about Christmas. Like, fuck right, Thanksgiving, just, just right to Christmas. Yep, motherfuck Thanksgiving. We're gonna shove Christmas lights that don't have anything to do with Thanksgiving right down your throats. Yep, even, yep. Uh, even Halloween time, you go into, uh, like, a Dollar General or something, and there's all this Christmas crap up already. Oh yeah, it, it's already hit here in Iowa. Uh, I was just at Walmart the other day, and they're already blaring Christmas music, and I'm like, "You gotta be kidding me!" 
they should have Slipknot on if you're in Iowa. <laughs> yeah, right. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, definitely listen to to them. Then these this Christmas stuff already. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, I like the holidays. I'm I'm looking at me because I'm all tattooed up and stuff. But uh, and I kind of have inverted eyebrows. I always look pissed. But <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I uh, you you'd be surprised that. I'm a holiday guy. I I love the holidays. I don't know what it is ever since I was a kid. Maybe I just haven't had a traumatizing experience yet. I'll mm-hmm. wait for it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I, I I don't mind holidays either. And, you know, I, I do like Christmas, but, I mean, I just, I don't like how, you know, literally like the day after Halloween, it just gets shoved down our throats. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, I get it, I get it. Christmas is coming, I get it. Uh, <laughs> I just wish people were more enthused about uh, Halloween than, uh, like, Christmas is. But <sighs> yeah, And they, they could wait till the day before Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah. I never understood why, like, you know, why you couldn't wait until after Thanksgiving. But people just can't wait, I guess. Nope. <laughs> But anyways, uh, moving on to uh, some other topics here. Uh, no Class Assassins, you're the vocalist for that band. And uh, you've had some pretty big shows with playing yeah. with them. Uh, you, do you want to talk about your band at all? Sure. Um, let's see. <clears throat> no Class Assassins. Um, so late 2008 or early 2009... I joined metal band with uh, my friend Dave and Aaron Schumann at the time. They were they were uh, having a project already, but um, it wasn't a permanent title. Um, and then my best friend Chris Stotler joined shortly after, and uh, we started um, playing the material they had, and then we started writing our own stuff. We played our first show January 9th. 2009 and we started playing the local bars the roach bar in port huron and uh military street cafe in port huron stuff like that um and then we recorded a demo um and we started opening up for for you know local bands with local shows and we didn't even think we were ready to open up for the misfits or anything like that and then our buddies like dude, you should try opening up for the Misfits. Here's the number. And I was just like, eh, fuck it. So I called and they were like, do you think you could sell 30 tickets? And I was like, uh, yeah, yeah, I probably could for the Misfits. Sure. And uh, he's like, all right, I'll put you on, uh, as, um, local opening support. And I was like, holy shit. Cause that's like my favorite band, whatever era, you know, right, who cares? Right. I was just stoked. I'm like, okay so after then we kind of have a newfound newfound confidence so it was like if we can do that and people liked us we got a red rid of a lot of demos um so since then we opened up for bands like goat whore guar green jelly suicide silence uh crowbar i hate god we even won a battle of the bands to play warp tour 2010 and 
We got signed to Hellfy Records in 2019, right before COVID hit. So we haven't been able to do too much since, but we're going to be recording a new EP, probably five or six tracks, something new shortly. Um, and we're probably going to be recording with Randy Willis at the Schwank Soundstead in Port Huron, which is actually an old home that they've renovated into a studio. Um, just all the cords from downstairs running upstairs into, you know, there's a whole bedroom up there just for vocals. It's cool. Oh, wow. um, yeah. A lot of recordings that come out of Port Huron are done there and it's just great stuff. Uh, Randy and Brendan do a really good job. Um, and we're going to be doing that. Um, we've played quite a bit of shows over the years. Um, I would say the I Hate God show was one of my favorites because I'm just a big I Hate God fan. Have you ever heard of them? Yeah, I have heard of them. Yeah, they're from New Orleans, Louisiana. Um, we're really big on the whole New Orleans metal scene. Uh, so naturally, it's somewhere I've been wanting to go. Um, but you know, um, anything with Phil from Pantera, Philip and Selmo, his, uh, super joint ritual down, uh, mm -hmm. his band, the illegals, um, which are awesome, yeah, like, by the way, I, I got to see them when, uh, Slayer is doing their last tour. That's yeah. cool. So they did a bunch of Pantera songs. Yeah. Yeah. It was amazing. Yeah. We seen them. Me and Chris went to see the illegals um at harpo's in detroit and it was a really good show it was really cold outside but it was it was hot in there it was awesome <laughs> um but yeah we are we're influenced on a lot of different things like um there's definitely hardcore in our music um, like that hardcore punk style with the breakdowns but we also really like that southern blues um so we incorporate some of that in our music um some of the newer stuff is going to have more clean vocals i would say more in the vein of lane staley and mike Patton style vocals okay um just to not be so fucking whiny because there's a lot of metal bands that are just whiny bullshit and can't deal with it like ooh what a great verse and then they ruin it with some whiny chorus yeah and it's <laughs> i i hate that um i've always admired lane staley's creepy vocal and uh even i, I like crooning like chino from deftones and uh stuff like that and i love bands like that so we're looking to incorporate clean vocals in there to you know broaden the horizon a bit um, oh, sure Sure. Yeah, and we know it's going to get us more more fans, um, but that's not really the idea. The idea is to just come up with that stuff that we liked when it comes to those bands that don't just scream. Um, because I, I like to scream, and screaming's cool. Love it. Never going to drop that. That's just part of me. But incorporating those those creepy vocals. Um, has been a chore for me. I have to find my own because there are times where I feel like I'm too much of a copycat and I'm like, nope, fuck that, delete it. I got to do it over again my way. It's got to sound like me, not like 
you know? Right, right. Not like uh, I'm doing impressions or some shit. No. <laughs> and it, that's hard to do. It's hard to find, you know, your it voice. Has been, yeah, it has been quite difficult for me, but because um, I, I don't want to rip off. I don't want people to be like, oh, he's ripping off, you know. Ozzy Asborn, or he's uh, he's ripping off Mike Patton right there. That sounds like Faith No More shit. But I just gotta let go of that, I think, and just realize that it's not gonna sound exact because I'm not him. <laughs> I'm not them. So right, right. my voice is gonna have its own tone and all that. So yeah, we're just uh, we're looking for that, and uh, it's good that we're not being pushed so hard by our uh, record label to go out and play shows right now. Um, we're ready to get back in the saddle, um, but we're, we're going to, um, we're going to wait a bit. And before we start playing shows until this EP is finished, I think, or at least we start working on it. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Um, you know, talking about your band, uh, no class assassins, uh, you're the vocalist in the band. But you've also made uh, a music video for your band, uh, which I, I thought was actually pretty awesome, and it was just a great uh, way to like storytell. Like you know, you you had a message within your music video, and I think it came across pretty clearly and, and in a cool, creative way. Um, you know, would you, would you want to talk about your music video? Are you talking about the music video for Depression, My Compulsive Ways? Yes. Yes, that one. Yeah. Uh, I had a lot to do with it, but actually it was Justin Thomas Squires who shot the, shot the video, and we both edited it together. Um, he has been – he is um, the owner of Dark Forest Media, and he has a – he's like the, the unspoken guy with my movies. He, he creates, um, the music score, but he has a project music project called master toad. And I take some of those songs, which are all ambient noises and which is perfect for movies. And, uh, I'll take that and I'll chop them up and edit them up to fit certain scenes of the movie. And he, has helped me edit. He knows more about the editing process and how to do certain things than I do. So he takes that and he'll run with it and he'll edit a part and show it to me and I'll be like, yes or no, and then we'll move on. Um, but he's been a big integral part of anything I do so far. Um, without him, I don't think I would have gotten Green Hell finished because um, the footage was all filmed on a a Sony Handycam, like I said, and it was on tape. It was all filmed on these tapes. Uh -huh. So it took like three tapes, everything I had on them, and we kind of blended them together. I wanted the movie Green Hell to be confusing, like, and then turn into not confusing as the movie progressed. I wanted it to be a mind fuck and then not so much, like you're coming out of an acid trip yeah yeah that movie was fucking bonkers <laughs> <laughs> you liked it i mean yeah i did but like it you know it was very confusing and uh -huh. you know it it was like 
like a trip on video. Like, you know, it's hard to explain, but, but yeah, I mean, I was, I was seeing things that like, I wasn't expecting, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it was, it was a trip, man. Yeah. Yep. I'm always, I was always obsessed with trying to show something controversial, but to the, to the point of, uh, almost forcing the viewer to watch it by just making it go boom right on the screen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, so you don't really have a chance to look away. Um, all the zombie movies I've seen, cause that's, that's what, what, what I loved when I was a youngster. I loved all the different zombie movies and how they, how they portrayed zombies, whether they were, they were super slow or a little bit quicker or what have you. But I never seen a zombie pull guts out of a vagina. <laughs> and, uh, that's, that's something I always wanted to see done on camera because I figured that would be the grossest of the grossed, right? That yeah. would be disgusting. So it didn't quite come off that way on film, but the scene where uh, my character, uh, Dave, um, you know, performs uh, an oral act on the woman and uh, he starts puking up the mealworms mm. i i thought that was awesome because when the i didn't know how it was going to come off but when we had a, a screening for the movie at uh, a local venue in port huron uh people were like oh and i was just like <laughs> perfect i was just like mr burns rubbing my fingers together in the corner like excellent <laughs> so yeah you got the reactions that you're wanting from the viewers 100 percent. that's awesome yep yep <laughs> what i wonder uh i wonder what lloyd's reaction would have been when he watched that you know, like that that particular scene right <laughs> yeah man it's that's that's a film <laughs> You know, I, if, if the listeners on this show uh, want to check out Green Hell, like it's it's not for the faint of hearts. That's for dang sure. But uh, you know, if if you're feeling brave, check out Green Hell, which <laughs> streaming now on the Troma Now app. So go check it out, as well as uh, you know your short film The Witch, which uh, I thought was awesome. Actually, that's I I enjoyed that one a lot. Really. And, uh, really awesome. Thanks, yeah. man. Yeah, it was, uh, when we filmed that, it was just, it was in 2014. And me and Deanna Lee, the actress, ex girlfriend, created The Witch uh, with a terrible handheld camera that was actually, it took four AAA batteries. That's how bad this camera was. <laughs> uh, and I picked it up from Walmart. I'm just interested in, uh, going around and trying to find obscure things to film with and uh, just see how it turns out. And that's kind of the style I'd like to, you know, represent artsy, trippy, low budget films that have, you know, the film lines and grainy and some glitches left intact. I'm, I'm sure it has a great deal to do with growing up in the eighties and fucking with VHS tapes and VCRs and stuff. Uh But, uh, 
yeah, I was just, it, it was so cold. It was like five or between five and 10 below that day. And, uh, I was, every time I decide to film, it happens to be winter time. It never fails. Like I want to make a movie, you know, in the summer, but it just, it's never in the cards. Every time it comes to a certain time, time to record, or I finally get an actress or an actor or a group of people involved, it's snowing outside here in Michigan. So it's like, huh. fuck, but I guess that's my aesthetic. I think it's kind of cool because that's when it's most depressing around here. So yeah. maybe that's what gives us the kick in the ass to get out and film something. Um, but she, she was a trooper. She, I had her fall in the snow a couple times and, uh, yeah, we didn't even, we weren't even really super familiar with each other. So it was kind of like a learning experience. And this was before we started dating, you know, before the curse happens, <laughs> I got a, I got a curse. I have a curse, but no one wants to hear about my relationship curses. Um, <laughs> the uh, the camera glitched out and I had dropped it in the snow and it was at some point and I had totally botched the camera, but I kept filming because it was actually recording still. So um, it was just cool that I was able to save the footage and what was on there and make that movie. Um, I always thought it was cool, the silent films. And I wanted it to be a silent film just with some music over top. And uh, all that music was Master Toad. And uh, I think it turned out pretty well. Uh, a lot of people have told me that they liked it and that it was kind of like an artsy college film looking thing. And I was like, nice, I, I'll, I'll accept that. I mean, I'm not in college, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I... I liked uh, the. I mean, I wouldn't say you know it's like a throwback to the silent films, but I did like the approach of you know this is a film made in the 2010s, and then you know almost like a hundred years ago, that's the kind of films that were made were silent, yeah, black and white films. So it was kind of cool to, if you look at it that way, is like a comparison. Um, but. You know, I I like the aesthetics and then like the ambient sounds in the background, and you know, shooting a horror film in black and white is all has always kind of interested me as far as like, you know, films that have the capability of being in color. I like how, you know, there are filmmakers that still film in black and white, kind of like, you know, like David Lynch's Eraserhead is a, a great black and white film. Oh yeah, uh, and you know, like this film, that was really cool. And I'm actually working on a black and white uh, short horror film myself. So, uh, no kidding. Yeah. So I, you know, I I thought it was really cool to see you know someone's take on a uh, a short horror film in black and white. So uh, definitely, <clears throat> definitely kind of inspired me in a way. Not saying I'm gonna rip you off or anything, but just <laughs> do it. Rip me off. <laughs> that's uh, that's another thing. Influences like it's never gonna be exactly like the original, so rip it off. That's what I always say too. 
Right. Yeah, I mean, my story's going to be completely different from yours, but, you know, just seeing your film in black and white kind of has inspired me in a way. That's cool. In, you know, in, in for my own ideas of, of what I'm trying to do, so. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. But, anyways, no one wants to hear about my, uh, <laughs> my films. Sure they do. <laughs> I've... Like I've I've talked to uh, several other people on my podcast about it, so they're like, "Oh, here we go, his <laughs> his short horror film talk." Uh, how how about what are some of your director influences? And I'll tell you some of mine. Okay, so so mine would be uh, first and foremost uh, George Romero. Uh, nice. Ever ever since I picked up a camera, I had a high camera back in high school, and. Uh, you know, George Romero was pretty much my biggest influence. Like, you know, I, I, I wanted to almost, you know, I wanted to be like George, you know, like, I mean, I know I wasn't going to be exactly like him or anything like that, but that was just kind of like my idea. Like, you know, he inspired me so much, you know, I wanted to make awesome films like, like him and, you know, change the game really, you know, I mean, Night of the Living Dead revolutionized the horror genre. Oh yeah, and, uh, big time. Yeah, and then uh, I think my favorite horror film of all time is Dawn of the Dead from 1978. So uh, mm-hmm. you know he had a classic, a heavy influence on on me. And you know, I guess like uh, you know Toby Hooper would be another influence. I love mm-hmm. the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And just a lot of the grittiness of of that film, and you know, it just it just feels like a real grindhouse type film. So uh, he's definitely yeah, a big great. influence. It was kind of like rebel filmmaking for its time. Right, right. You know, I I would maybe say those are two of my biggest influences, and <clears throat> I mean, I I would even have to mention uh, Quentin Tarantino. You know, I loved Reservoir Dogs and, uh, you know, Pulp Fiction and mm-hmm. uh, From Dust Till Dawn, you know, with Robert Rodriguez. I would even consider him an influential filmmaker as well. Just that two team duo uh, was really inspiring, especially uh, watching Grindhouse, their double feature. That was another. Yeah, that was awesome. I've seen that in theaters. It was it was awesome. Right. Yeah. I, I, I loved it so much I had to watch it, like, I think twice in theaters. Right. And I don't do that too often, but I just, at the time, I was like, dude, this is fucking awesome. You get to see two movies in one. And, uh, just, and he had I the glitches in there. That was like, you know, he actually had the, the what, the real break? A fake real break during it? Right, right. That was awesome. Um yeah, Quentin Tarantino, man. Oh, From Dusk Till Dawn. That movie, that movie fucked with my head when I seen it because I didn't know what it was going into it. So the first half of the movie is kind of like a crime drama. And then it, it turns into a fucking vampire movie. And I'm like, what the hell just happened? Right, right. She just turned into a vampire? What is this? And then it's just a friggin' bloodbath. And I'm like, dude, this is my favorite shit right here. Right, yeah, it's fucking awesome. 
especially when all the heads start flying and they start hacking hacking people up the big brawl and the the titty twister (laughs) what a classic yeah it's it's amazing i'll here's here's a quick short story but i'll I'll never forget the time like uh my parents when they watch this film they're more of like into like crime western you know type films they're not really into horror films but uh they're telling me about this film which they didn't know the name of it but I knew right away what they're talking about, but they're like, like, yeah, we're watching this movie. Like it started out really good, you know? And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, they just turned into vampires and we had to shut it off. And I was like, I laughed and I was like, I was like, I mean, I know you guys don't like horror movies, but that film's awesome by the way. And, uh, you must've watched from dusk till dawn. And like, yeah, I think that was the name of the movie, but it's, it's just funny (laughs) how like, um, you know, like it did start out kind of like a, you know, kind of like an action crime thriller, and then just out of nowhere, you know, just turns into this batshit vampire film. I Man, loved it though. Ca- the fact that that caught me off guard like was another reason why I liked it so much. Yeah, yeah, I, and I think that's really what, uh, you know, it's just, I think that really kind of elevated where it's not just your typical vampire film that you know it had had some layers to it before it got to that point that's for sure right some of uh some of my favorite filmmakers and directors um i'll throw a couple out um so john carpenter um was a big influence on me and is still a big influence on me and I don't think that'll ever go away it's just an influence on me in everyday life kind of um how I view things how I think about stuff um Halloween the thing man the thing that movie so good and it still freaks me out and uh, I love watching it with people who've never seen it and I'm like oh oh nope gotta pay attention <laughs> right um Prince of Darkness, that movie. You ever see that movie? Yes. Yeah, it's a good one. That movie scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. Why would I watch that when I was a child? <laughs> yeah. But I, yeah. I was like, hey, uh, hey bud, wanna wanna stay the night tonight? <laughs> I think I'm in need for a, a sleepover of sorts. Let's let's bad Prince of Darkness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, Sam Raimi, uh, Drag Me to Hell, Evil Dead series. Um, He even did the Spider-Man movies. And uh, with the ones with... uh, Tilby McGuire. There you go. Um, I I like the way he does his movies because anything can happen. Like if you've seen Drag Me to Hell, Mm -hmm. that movie, just it's bonkers. And yeah. it's freaky. A bunch of shit happens in that movie. And it was done like a comic book. And that's why I love his movies. They're like a, a visual comic book. Well, comic books are visual, but a visual moving comic book. How about that? Right, right. <laughs> and uh, just Evil Dead had that comic thing in there. Drag Me to Hell. And, of course, Spider-Man. But, um, man, just his movies pop at you. They, It's like you are feeling the effects of shrooms without eating anything. Yeah, 
you know, like the Army of Darkness was amazing. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, the whole trilogy was amazing, but I mean, what he was able to do with Army of Darkness just was like next was level, like, man. It was amazing. Next level. Yep. There you go. Um, Just the, you could tell it was stop motion and that's what made it awesome. It was better than modern, some of the modern CGI because that, I don't know, which brings me to my next person, Wes Craven. Um, Wes Craven's Last House on the Left, that was a big influence on me. Hills Have Eyes, Scream, but A Nightmare on Elm Street, it kind of changed the whole game. And uh, the the remake of A Nightmare on Elm Street, I, I, I thought it was a, a good movie, but the CGI ruined it for me. It was just too much. Yeah. Um, I wish they would do more practical effects in movies nowadays, like the 2013 Evil Dead actually had a lot of, I think the director made it a point to use practical effects and less CGI so it would appeal to the old school fans. Yeah. So it, it kind of worked. Uh, I think the only CGI in that movie was um, some fire and stuff like that in the background. Um, just to keep the actor safe and whatnot. But yeah, um, I thought that was done really well. And I was surprised. Did you like that movie? Yeah, I, I, I liked it a lot, actually. And that's, you know, it, it's amazing when uh, a remake is actually really good. Because usually remakes are not that great. But uh, when they do work, they're phenomenal. Like like the evil dead was amazing and you know even like going back to like the thing real quick like even though that one was a remake of like a 50s sci-fi film uh yeah you know that film was amazing and then so was the blob i really liked the blob um, oh 1988 yes yes i love that i just watched it recently actually and uh me and my buddy, um, Jeremy, a.k.a. Ninja Boy, uh, me and him were driving around. We're like, we have to find a copy of The Blob 1988 at a video store. And this was like, I'm going to say uh, 15 years ago, something like that. But we were, we were like, we're looking for it. So we went to every video store and we found one. And uh, I asked them if I could buy it. And they're like, no, we got to keep that one on the shelf. And I'm like, okay. So we just cop- we just copied it. <laughs> and, uh, that movie, though, oh, man, so good. Yeah, yeah, I, I love it so much. I, uh, you know, I watched it at a young age as well. And it was just, uh, I was just amazed of just, you know, because it was, practical effects basically i don't know if there was any cgi in that film uh but just the practical effects work was just so magical across the screen and uh the i'll never forget the uh scene where the dishwasher guy is cleaning out this the oh, clogged yeah. sink and gets sucked through the sink like i just that blew my mind as a kid i was like whoa when his head goes into the drain, I was like, what? How? <laughs> it looked real as fuck, too. Right. And what's what's awesome, even like with podcasting, I was able to uh, 
get one of the special effects guys from the movie on my show, Nick Benson. That's great. Uh, you know, he's done so much uh, 80s horror films, you know, working on CGI, or not CGI, working on uh, practical effects. It was just, it was even just mind-blowing just hearing him talk about some of the films that he was working on back then. And I, you know, made a point to talk about The Blob because I loved that one as a kid. And, you know, so he was able to talk about that film and uh, how he was one of the guys underneath the uh, blob blanket, if you will, or blob suit in the uh, movie theater scene where the blob is picking up all his people in the movie theater. Uh, He was under there puppeteering for some of that moving, you know, just moving the, the blob around. So I thought, you know, just hearing stuff like that is just awesome for, you know, I'm a horror fan at heart, so just hearing anything uh, behind the scenes about the horror films I love is, is you know, amazing for me. <laughs> yeah, that is awesome. Um, I think for me, an honorable mention is, uh, what's his name? Danny Boyle. He did. He directed 28 Days Later. Oh, yeah. That's a great one. And that, yeah, that movie took it to a new level. Yeah, it really did. I thought it was cool, just in atmosphere. And the 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 musical score was awesome. Um, it was just it almost had a a depression, like a depressing thing. Obviously, that would be a very depressing time, but uh, yeah, just it hit your heart that movie. Yeah, and, you know, what what I liked about that film, and I've even, you know, I liked it so much I covered it on my podcast, like, way, way back ago, a year or so ago. But, uh, you know, what I liked about the film was this was some, like, that movie is something that could potentially happen. You know, you get, uh, you know, even like with the coronavirus, how that was a man-made virus that... uh something went wrong and you know now it spread and was a worldwide epidemic with with 28 days later and that rage virus you know that's something that could really happen there might they might already have something like that we just don't know about it uh the scientists have created a virus you know potentially for uh military uh purposes or whatever but uh and then the virus gets in the wrong hands or, you know, something happens to where it just spreads and spreads like wildfire. And I mean, that's it. You can't put the genie back in the bottle. Nope. That's like, uh, when we used to get too drunk and we'd say we caught the T virus. <laughs> <laughs> He's got the T virus. He's stumbling. Don't bite me. <laughs> Don't bite me. <laughs> or, or with, I mean, with Resident Evil, I think it was even a scratch. You know, if if you got a, even a scratch from a zombie, you could potentially turn into one. True. Yeah. Which there's, yeah. I don't know if anybody else does this, but whenever I hear about a movie or I'm reading an article or, or something, a movie I haven't seen, I write it down, and so I have this list of movies that I need to check out. Have you ever seen Crawl? from 2019 yeah i and i actually really like that one i don't know what what a lot of people else 
you know, what other people think about it, but I really enjoyed it. I haven't watched it yet. That or Slaughter Hotel from the seventies. Slaughter Hotel. I don't know if I've seen that one. I've seen Motel Hell. Right, yeah, that's great. <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> that is a good one. It's twisted. Yeah. I I don't know. I mean, it's it's old. I can kind of spoil it a little, but like the uh I love the scene where they're uh uh <laughs> they have the people buried in the grounds so and their heads are above the ground and uh they're basically like harvesting humans and they're like uh, hypnotizing them so that they're relaxed and it doesn't spoil the meat yeah yeah and they they do (laughs) something to their they do surgery on their voice boxes so they can't yell for help or anything (laughs) they went that extreme to explain (laughs) explain that stuff which it's great Uh uh-huh that was a classic yeah, did did you have anything else to say about Twenty Eight Days Later? Or you just wanted to bring it up as a favorite. Oh, I yeah, I just wanted to bring it up. The uh, uh, I think the director Danny Boyle hit that one out of the park. Um, I liked the sequel, um, Twenty Eight Weeks Later. Um, that was a pretty good movie. I wonder if they're going to make any more. I mean, they have potential with a title for a couple more. <laughs> right, right. I know. Uh... I know there's some rumors floating around that there's going to be a 28 months later. Uh, I think that would that's be cool. I think that's supposed to be the next one, and there's rumors floating around. But I mean, that one's been kind of quiet. You know, I haven't really heard any updates on it. So, who knows? Right. I would love to see it. When it comes to slasher films, um, have you ever seen The Prowler? Yeah. Oh, dude, that one's awesome. Love yeah, or in in some cases it's called uh, Rosemary's Killer. Mm-hmm. But the yeah. Prowler, Tom Savini, special effects. That was yep. a good one. Yep, he he's a man when it comes to uh, pulling off those amazing like head explosions. <laughs> uh, but yeah, or or throat cuttings makes him look so good. Right. And, you know, I got to mention, uh, you know, I'm hoping people have seen that movie by now. Otherwise, spoiler alert, but I have to mention, I think one of my favorite kills of the movie would be uh, when uh, the Prowler stabs the one dude in the head and you just see the guy's eyes roll in the back of his head. Like, that was just so brutal looking. Just the way that yeah. his eyes got white and... Uh, just, I don't know, man, it it was freaky and it looked great on camera, you know, like it was aesthetically awesome. I don't know. I don't remember who directed that, um, but that movie was sweet. And I always thought it was cool how they kind of added a different element to the whole stalker thing and had it be... Well, they made you think it was, you know, uh, a civil. Wait, it wasn't civil war. It was, uh, it was some war that was going on, and uh, they made him still kill people and stuff. And you could see him. He was almost like a a Michael Myers type, but it was cool how he was in the military outfit. Right. 
I, I want to say it was like World War II. I don't think it was there Vietnam. I think it was earlier. I want to say it was World War II. Because they had, there was a time lapse from the beginning to when, you know, it was, quote, present day killing, unquote. Right, right. I think they had some sort of back in the day intro and then present day when the movie actually started after the credits. Right, I think you're right, because I remember seeing, like, uh, people going, like, like a military ball or something like that. There's, like, a dance. Yep. It was like um, an annual festival thing. And uh, I remember seeing a note in the beginning, too. It was like a note from from him to her. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but people need to check that out. Yeah, it's... it. I mean, I think it's starting to get a little, little bit more noticed. But, I mean, I, I, you know, I really think people... You know, it needs it needs some more recognition. I think it's it's underrated. Uh, oh yeah. But uh, uh, the director was uh, Joseph Zito. Okay. You just looked it up. Yeah, or you remembered I, it. Well, I had to look it up. It <laughs> I wonder what else he did. Um. So uh, it says that he's directed. Uh, uh, several action films like Missing in Action, Invasion USA, Red Scorpion, and then you know he did The Prowler and Friday the Thirteenth, the final chapter. I didn't realize he did that one. What? Part four? That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Four was great. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a lot of people's favorites, really. I mean, four was a banger. Um, four was really good, especially the ending. And then uh, another thing, uh, he spent a year of pre-production on the canon version of Spider-Man, which eventually fell through. So he almost made a Spider-Man movie. Uh, I'm wow. assuming in the '80s that would have happened. So that's pretty crazy. That is crazy. Blood Rage, hold on. That's the film. Oh, that's a different Blood Rage. As I say, he he directed a movie called Blood Rage as well, nineteen seventy nine. But it's not the the Blood Rage that what you'd think. Right. But yeah. For a second, I was like, wait a minute, he did Blood Rage? But no, it's the <laughs> it's a different one. Uh, yeah, man, dude, The Prowler. It's awesome. People do need to check it out. Yeah. Underrated classic. <laughs> um, so I, you know, I, I got a couple more questions for you, if you don't mind. Sure, go ahead. Um, th- th- so this one's going to be a little bit more lighthearted than uh, the Prowler. Uh, but <clears throat> well, what's your favorite Universal monster or Universal monster film? Ooh, um, ah. Uh... I'm going to say I like Dracula. Um, I like dark romanticism. It's kind of my thing. So anything to do with uh, twisting a twisted view on romance is, is my, my, uh, 
I like that sort of thing. So the Dracula, um, just the shadow stuff in that movie, the, just the, uh, just how it was done. I've always took a liking to it. I have a bunch of Dracula shirts that I wear. Um, even, even the Christopher Lee versions, but the Lugosi version is what I like the most. Uh, Christopher Lee took the, all the Dracula stuff to a, to a different place, but that original universal one was just fabulous to me. Right. I loved how it was filmed. I loved the acting in it. Um, just, it had like a, it had a silent film quality to it. Um, even though it wasn't silent, of course, but the it was very artsy, and I really take a kin to stuff like that. Right, yeah, yeah. Dracula's amazing, and just, you know, Bill Lugosi is just a national treasure. I mean, he's just, the work that he, that he could do for Dracula is just amazing. And, uh, you know, just seeing him kind of being versatile as well you know he's played other monsters within the universal monsters but uh mm-hmm. you know i think dracula you know has to be his you know best performance in my opinion of course yeah um yeah yeah i i like dracula as well and uh uh creature from the black lagoon is is one of my favorites as well that's really good. I was thinking about saying that one, but I I don't have any Invisible Man and uh, any um, Creature of the Black Lagoon shirts. So I'm going to say my favorite would have to be Dracula, of course, because sure. I got a lot of merch. <laughs> for sure, for sure. I mean, there really isn't a wrong answer because, I mean, all of them are great, really, in their own way. Yeah, the mummy. The mummy was awesome. The Invisible Man was awesome. I even liked the Invisible Man remake was really good. Right. Yeah, it's very good. Yeah, I I would definitely like to see, you know, I know that they've tried to re- redo the Mummy for so, you know, there's been so many Mummy remakes and it seems like they kind of fail every time, which is a shame because, you know, it it has potential. Excuse me. It has potential. I mean, the story is great, like, you know, dude, people are greedy and they want to take things that are not theirs, but, you know, if you disturb the tomb, you know, you're going to have a curse and, you know, the mummy's going to come back and fuck you up. Uh, so, I mean, the story's awesome. It's just, I don't know. I, it's like how, you know, maybe maybe Lay 1L needs to rewrite the story because... <laughs> uh, Right. You know, what he, what he did for the Invisible Man uh, just was amazing. I I was very surprised at how well I would like that one. So you know maybe they just need to kind of push the stories to Lee Wanell and have him uh, reboot the Universal Monsters and give us new fresh takes on those classics. So you really you really disliked the the Mummy with Tom Cruise. Well, like, okay, like, there was some things that I did like, but, I mean, just overall, I I don't know. I, I didn't think it was that great. See, I don't, uh, I don't remember. 
remember it. I seen it in theaters and I was like, I remember them trying really hard to cover up her nipples. The, uh, <laughs> just the, the whole movie seemed like that they were just really trying hard for that so they could get that PG-13 rating. Um, yeah. I feel like they should have just went over the top, made it R. It would have made the movie a little bit better, I think, if they wouldn't have been trying to push for a PG-13. Right, right. And, I mean, maybe that is kind of the problem with those films. Like, you know, I know the Brendan Fraser series was kind of popular. You know, they made multiple ones of those. And then the Scorpion King spinoff. But, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, those are all PG-13, so they couldn't really make them scary. I mean, those kind of ended up being like action adventure movies rather than horror. Yep. Um, the first one with Brendan, I didn't think that was bad. It was, it was a pretty good movie, like entertainment factor and all that. I try to look at that more nowadays because I feel like I'm just being set up to be disappointed with movies that have overly done CGI. Um, but I try to give movies the benefit of the doubt and, on their entertainment factor rather than if they use CGI or not, because then I'm just setting myself up to get pissed off. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I try to just, it was an entertaining movie. Okay. Then I liked it. Good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, they were entertaining, but uh, you know, just looking at it as like a horror film, you know, cause I mean, the mummy, you know, it, it was definitely it more action monster. adventure. Yeah. yeah, it just, you know, if, I mean, I'm sure mostly, I'm going to say everybody's seen that movie, but, you know, if you haven't seen The Mummy, I, mean, I would say check it out, but don't go into it thinking you're going to get a horror film, because you're not. Uh, Even the music score was more action-adventure. Yeah, yeah. Like, dun 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 like Indiana like a, Jones. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, Indiana Jones-type film. Which, those movies are awesome. They are. They are. Uh, the Temple, Temple of Doom. So say Temple of Doom, number one. That's, that's, <laughs> yeah. That's my number one anyways. Me too. Uh, yeah, dude. All right. Speaking of Temple of Doom, like the the sacrifice scene, man. Like that was kind of freaky. Like, you know, pulling the dude, heart I... out of the guy. and Yeah. There wasn't really any blood. And I think they did that on purpose. But, uh, man, how could you not have blood? There would be blood. Uh, yeah. It, but just the way <laughs> they did that freaked me out when I was a kid. Yeah, me too. And Onom Shiba. Yeah, I, I can't uh, recreate that. But, yeah, just everyone chanting and just, you know, even, like, when is the girl's term to... uh get locked into that contraption and lowered to the depths of yeah, nah. the depths of doom. Yep, and then Indiana has to save her. Yeah. Yeah. It's even even like the the simple scene of like uh the monkey brain scene where it's like, ooh, ready for dessert. Yeah. And he's like, Yes, I'm oh, starving okay. and then monkey brain and lifts up the top of the monkey's head and uh, for some reason, like this is like me as a kid running my imagination, but whenever I had like red jello, I'd always just kind of think of that scene like, ooh, monkey brain. And 
Because chilled monkey brains. Because <laughs> I mean, it kind of looked like red jello back then, which hopefully that's what it was. Yeah, she's all like, "Ooh, soup!" and she stirs it, and there's some eyeballs in there. <laughs> yeah. And then they're eating the spider or the beetle, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there was definitely some horror elements to that Indiana Jones film. Oh yeah. Um, even even the bug scene, the creepy bug scene where she has to put her arm through to open the trap door. Yeah, so they're not s- stabbed with all those spikes. Yeah, that yeah. was awesome. Yeah, you know. They, yeah, they show them. They show them going under her under her shirt or pants. Uh, <laughs> Do they? I, yeah, I they show them. They just they just show them going underneath the sleeves and up the pant leg, and she's just like, ah. Oh, oh, right. Yeah, because they're on her. That's right. Yeah, all over the place. Right. That yeah, was nasty. Great, great. I mean, it's, it's a great movie, though. It is. People have been living under a rock and haven't seen that one. That That's the Indiana Jones film to watch. Watch yep. Temple of Doom. What'd you think about the Crystal Skull one? No, that I'll, I'll admit that's one I haven't seen. I've seen all the other ones except for the Crystal Skull. So I. Just because. It has everyone, some cool parts. Everyone's just talks so much crap about it, and it, it just it drove me away from. It's like you know what? I don't want to ruin the series for me, so I'm not going to watch that one. <laughs> right. It it has some alien involvement, but it. Uh, I thought it was cool, a cool next level Indiana Jones movie. It had some downfalls, but yeah, for sure, for sure. So. Uh, you know, as as we wind down here uh, on the show, uh, what's next for Jay Crimson? What is next? Let's see. Um, I have a couple things lined up to film. Um, I'm gonna be uh, while we're still focusing on uh, No Class Assassins and getting into the studio to record that um, EP. Um, that. Um, I still got some podcasts lined up for that, uh, for the Crimson Cult podcast, and for movies and videos and stuff, which I I like to call them Crimson Videos, um, probably because I'm an 80s baby and I I love the word video. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But um, I'm working on some new stuff. I was working on something with the lovely Lily Crimson or Mandy Mahan, and we started um we started a brand called defiant deviance where we take video clips and photos revolving around dark romanticism horror witchcraft and things things of that aesthetic um and i think i have a few other actresses um well i do i do have a few but whether they're going to come to fruition we'll see um where i'm going to probably do a series of dark poems in visual form um where there's narrating over it but it tells the story of what you're watching um but uh narrating whether it be a female's voice or a man's voice narrating over top of the video which will tell like a a five minute story 
about maybe lost love or trying to conjure the dead, something like that. And uh, I think I'm going to throw out a series of those um, while I'm still working on filming some other new stuff and editing some videos. So there is some stuff in the works for sure. Right on. And Lloyd Kaufman and Troma picking up my movies has kind of lit a fire under my ass when it comes to wanting to film things and uh, just have more of a library under the Crimson Videos moniker. Right on, man. Yeah, that'd be definitely awesome. And I look forward to uh, some some of the new projects that you're working on and definitely want to hear uh, some of your band's music as well. So, uh, you know, like, like the new, you know, your newer stuff that, that you yeah. guys got going on. So for sure, man. Excellent. Um, is, is there anything else that you'd like the fans to know? Like, uh, possibly, you know, where to check out some of your stuff. I mean, I know we talked about the trauma app, but is, is there any more that you'd like, like the, let the fans know? Let's see. So on Facebook, um, you can go to the Crimson Cult podcast and I, I post up um, a little promo saying, this is my new guest. This is the new episode. And here's the link where you can click on it. Um, I have them all posted on the Facebook page. That'll take you right to the stream service, um, whether it's a Google podcast, Amazon podcast, uh, Spotify or Apple. Did I say Apple? Okay. Mm-hmm. It's, it's four of those. Um, and the Troma Now app has two of my movies so far. They're going to debut Crickets in the Snow um, shortly, whether it's next month or uh, the beginning of the new year. Um, we'll be up on there. And the Troma Now app is on Roku TV, Amazon Fire Stick, Google TV, um, and I think Apple, Apple TV. Yeah, right. I don't know if I said that twice. Sometimes I say uh, shit twice. <laughs> uh, you always said it once. <laughs> okay. Um, and No Class Assassins. Um, we have a Facebook page. Um, it's facebook.com slash No Class Assassins. And all of our updates are there. Crazy pictures, goofy shit. We throw up stuff uh, <laughs> just to remain relevant in Facebook land until we have our new shit come out. Um, and can entertain the fans with some new shit. Um, Crimson Videos is up on Facebook, and if you go click like on that, it'll give you updates on any new clips that I might shoot on my phone uh, or on any of my multiple cameras. Um, Anything I do visually usually goes on the Crimson Videos page, and... I have a Vimeo page um, that has Green Hell up and it has The Witch up and it has The Crickets in the Snow up. Um, anything on YouTube, you could type in J Crimson. And I think there's another J Crimson that pops up. Uh, and I'm not sure what he's about, <laughs> but uh, all of my stuff will pop up and you can check out. Uh, all of my short films on YouTube as well. And that's um, 
youtube.com slash kill your boss 69. Nice. Nice. <laughs> well, Hey man, right on. It's awesome, man. I, and I will leave the links to all of your stuff in the show notes of this episode. Just so, you know, if people that, uh, maybe, you know, won't remember, uh, what, what you're saying, like, oh, what was that link to? Well, well, well just go to the, just go to the show notes and click on the link and, uh, voila. So, uh, but yeah, man, uh, nice. th- thanks for coming on the show. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on here, man. Thank you for having me on. It's awesome. I appreciate uh, it. No problem, man. Well, that about wraps up the episode with Jay Crimson. Uh, I just want to say thank you again, Jay, for coming to the show. I had fun talking about the horror genre with you. And uh, I'm sure we'll uh, have to do this again some other time down the, down the line. So uh, thank you again, Jay. And uh, I will mention uh, all the links to uh, where you can find his films and whatnot will be in the show notes. So find the links there. Uh, just want to thank the Prescribed Films Podcast Network for keeping me on the network and uh, along with all the amazing shows that are on the Prescribed Films Podcast Network and um, yeah you can find uh, the Root Horror Podcast on most of the social medias at Root Horror Podcast on Facebook and Instagram at Root Horror Pod on Twitter and for all the other links go to www.linktree.com forward slash root horror podcast and if you'd like to be a supporter of the show and uh and donate whatever you would like to donate a dollar five dollars ten dollars whatever you that uh, is in your budget go to anchor.fm forward slash root horror podcast forward slash support and help support the podcast help keep this thing running and uh, help fuel the show and to get you know bigger and better as time goes on we much appreciate it for all other inquiries you can email me at rudehor at gmail.com and real quick before we sign off my next guest is uh, Sylvia Calatina she's a Italian actress who uh, most famously was May Freudstein in the House by the Cemetery, directed by Lucio Fulci. That was a great interview I had with her, and I look forward to releasing that episode. And then after that, I'll be talking to filmmaker Joe Sherlock as he comes on the show to talk about his films and the horror genre. So I'm going to have some great episodes lined up for you. Don't miss those. And uh, real quick, just want to thank Nightlight and Pitlord for providing music to the show you guys are awesome i'll include their band camp in the show notes if you guys want to check them out and uh that's about all i have for you right now so uh thank you all for listening and stay tuned for the next one
You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal, providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening.